I've got one sister, Jean, and she was always good with children and looked forward to having a family of her own. Well, she married and she had two dear little girls and this prevented my sister and I from having an uninterrupted conversation for about eight years. It was my first close contact with young children, really, and the first time I realised how desperately they want to know about absolutely everything. I don't want to go to school, Mum. I want to stay at home with my duck. I'd rather stay at home with you, Mum, and hit the skirting board with my truck. Don't make me go to school today, Mum. I'll sit here quiet on the stairs. Or I'll sit underneath the table, scratching all the varnish off the chairs. Oh, I don't want to go to school, Mum, when I could be underneath your feet. It's shopping day and we could go together, taking twice as long to get to Regent Street. And every time you stop to talk to someone, I won't let you concentrate, no fear. I'll be jumping up and down beside you, shouting, Can I have some sweets, Mum, in your ear? Or how about me doing a bit of painting? Or what about a bit of cutting out? Or sitting in the open bedroom window, body in and legs sticking out? Or what about us going up the park, Mum? Or how about me sitting at the sink? Or what about me making you a cake, Mum? And Mum? Hey, Mum? Mum? Can I have a drink? Mum? What's that at the bottom of the cupboard? And Mum, what's in that bag you put down there? And hey, Mum, watch me jump straight off the sofa. And Mum, whose dog is that stood over there? What are you doing, Mum? Peeling potatoes? Oh, sit me on the drainer watching you. Well, I wouldn't mind me trousers getting wet, Mum. Oh, and I'm fed up. What can I do? What time is Daddy coming home, Mum? What's in that long packet? Sausage meat. How long is it before he comes, Mum? And Mum, hey Mum, what can I have to eat? Oh, sorry Mum, I've upset me Ribena. Oh look, it's making quite a little pool. Hey Mum, hey, where are we going in such a hurry? Oh Mum, hey Mum, you're taking me to school. One of my first jobs was at a place called Smith's Industries in Whitney, Oxfordshire. I used to drive there every day past a wood called Hatford Warren. Every morning in the spring and summer, I used to see a depressing sight along the edge of this wood, a fresh crop of flattened hedgehogs run over on the road the night before. I am very fond of hedgehogs, which makes me want to say that I am struck with wonder how there's any left today. For each morning as I travel, and no short distance that, all I see are edgehogs, squashed and dead and flat. No, edgehogs are not clever. No, edgehogs are quite dim. And when he sees your headlamps, well, it don't occur to him that the very wisest thing to do is up and run away. No, he curls up in a stupid ball and no doubt starts to pray. Well, motor cars do travel at a most alarming rate and by the time you seize him, it is very much too late and thus he gets a squash-ode, unrecorded but for me, with me pen and paper, 
sitting in a tree. It is statistically proven in chapter and in verse that in a car and hedgehog fight, the hedgehog comes off worse while whistling down your prop shaft and bouncing off your diff. His coat of nice brown prickles is not effect if. An hedgehog cannot make you laugh, whistle, dance or sing and he's not much to look at and he don't make anything and in amongst his prickles there's fleas and bugs and that but there's no need to leave him squashed and dead and flat. Oh, spare a thought for hedgehogs, spare a thought for me. Spare a thought for hedgehogs as you drink your cup of tea. Spare a thought for hedgehogs hovering on the brinked. Spare a thought for hedgehogs lest they become extinct. I was brought up in the Berkshire village of Stamford in the Vale. I'm one of six children and the food our mother gave us had to do two jobs. It had to be filling and it had to be economical. And this is why we had a lot of suet puddings. They had all sorts of fillings inside, but the outside was always the same colour. Grey. This is a celebration of those old suet puddings that you don't see anymore because we're all eating healthier alternatives. So this is a final admiring glance at the apple duff, the jam roly-poly and the spotted dick. Don't open no more tins of Irish stew, Alice. You know it makes me pace the bedroom floor. You gave me Irish stew a week last Sunday and I never got to sleep till half past four. You open up another tin of spam, Alice. Or oh, them old Frankfurter sausages in brine. And we'll stab them sitting opposite each other. And you can dream your dreams and I'll dream mine. I'll dream about my apple-cheeked old mother. Her smiley face above a pot of broth. She used to make us every sort of pudding. Proper puddings in a pudding cloth. So when we came home from school all cold and hungry, one look along the clothesline was enough. And if the pudding cloth was up there flapping, well, we all knew what it meant. A suet duff. Oh, a suet duff would set your cheeks a-glowing. Suet duff and custard in a mound. And even if you'd run about all morning, a suet duff would stick you to the ground. Or else there'd be a lovely batter pudding with all the corners burnt so hard and black that if your teeth had grown a bit too long, like, well, that'd be the stuff to grind them back. She used to make us lovely apple puddings. She'd boil them all the morning on the stove. And if you bit on something hard that wasn't apple, well, the chances were you'd bitten on a clove. Or else there'd be a big jam roly-poly. We'd watch it going underneath the knife. And if you took a bite a bit too early, the red-hot jam would scar your mouth for life. Oh, bring back the roly-poly pudding, the bread-and-butter pudding and the spotted dick and great big jugs filled up with yellow custard. Well, that's the sort of puddings I would pick.
But here's the tube of artificial cream, Alice. I've cleaned the nozzle out, the hole's so fine, and we'll squirt it on our little pots of yoghurt, and you can dream your dreams, and I'll dream mine. This next poem is the first one I ever did on television, so I always associate it with being utterly terrified. It's based on an experience I had at the Cotswold Wildlife Park, which is a kind of zoo near my home. At the Cotswold Wildlife Park in the merry month of May, I paid the man the money and went in to spend the day. Straightway to the pet's corner, I turned my eager feet to go and see the rabbits and give them something to eat. As I approached the hutches, I was alarmed to see a gang of little yobbos hollering with glee. I crept up quiet behind them and weighed the scene up quick, and I saw them poke the rabbits, poke them with a stick. Get off, you little devils, I shouted in their ear. Don't you poke them rabbits, that's not why they are here. Well, I must have really scared them, for in seconds they had gone. And feeling I had done some good, I carried on along. Till up beside the parrot's cage, I stood to view the scene. Oh, they were lovely parrots, beautiful blue and green. In and out the nest box, they were really having fun. Squawking out and flying about. All except for one. One poor old puffed-up parrot clung grimly to his perch. And as the wind blew frontwards, backwards he would lurch, one foot up in...